Thank you for coming to church this morning. I know most of you would have rather stayed in bed, but and I would have too, actually. But once I got here, I'm glad I got up and came to church because the Lord touched me, and that's everything I'm looking for. So that was really great worship, wasn't it? Great. Let's give the worship team a hand. They work a lot. They work hard, man. And the sound people and the multi—just everybody's done such a great job. So, man, y'all got y'all want to go home early today? <laughs> I just—I was fixing to say that clock's wrong, right? <laughs> it's right. Thank you, Matthew, for setting the clock. Matthew wanted to make sure we didn't mess up here. Actually, I'm stalling for time because I am just so ripped apart on the inside. I'm really having a hard time because I felt the Lord's heart for people this morning. And I feel like He wants you to know there's hope, hope in you already. His name is Hope. And He wants you to know that. And I think we just have to let Him. That's, that's what I feel. I feel like God, we're in a time where the Lord wants to heal people's hearts. And get the things in you that's, that's in holding you back on the inside. The hurts and the pains and the disappointments from the past season. God is, is really saying this, this done. And He wants to heal you now. And that's what that, that's what He's saying. That's what that song was saying. Your name is Hope. Lord, we just ask you this morning. I pray for everybody in this room, Lord. Because I know all of us have been through some stuff in our life. All of us have been hurt. And we've, or we've hurt ourselves in many ways, Lord. We've, we've gotten disappointed. We've gotten discouraged. We got lost along the way, Lord. A lot of people lost their confidence. and started putting their confidence in other things, feeling like they needed other things. Say, so, Lord, this morning, I just pray that we would get back to you, that you would heal us. You would heal, heal your children, Lord. Heal your children, Lord. Every one of them in this room, heal them, Lord. Touch them. Put, put your finger into their hearts right now, Lord. And let them feel your finger in their heart, taking away the pain of yesterday. Lord, I pray you'd stir up hearts to believe again, to expect again, to hope again. Isn't that a beautiful song? Doesn't that song speak to the Lord's heart so well? Can we put that put that back up there for a second? Let's sing that verse again. <laughs> I'm being bad, but you can indulge me. I didn't quite it. <laughs> the song that we were singing, Your Name is Hope, That's not it either. It's a song, not a not a verse. You're, they're gonna get it. It'll be worth the wait, right? It's worth the wait. Now we got lots of people back there helping them, and but that's a good verse too, right? Your kingdom come. Oh yeah, that's it. So why don't we just stand up for a minute and sing that song to the Lord. But as you're singing it, I want you to receive what it's saying. That His name is life. 
And I'm telling you, the Lord's name is life. And if you get touched by that life, you would be worse than I am right now. Because <laughs> when God's life touches you, you know there's something that's real. Besides what we're seeing in this room and feeling in this room. God wants to get into your heart this morning. He wants back into your life. Some of you have pushed Him out. Because you couldn't take the pain. If you'll just let Him get back in, He'll take care of the pain for you. And He'll give you hope. It says His name is hope inside me. And His name is love. A love that always finds me. That's, that's what He's doing right now. He's finding you. He's looking for you. He's asking you to let Him be what He is. Let's sing that. Somebody's. Your name is life. Your name is hope inside me. Hope inside me. Your name is love. A love that always finds me always finds me your name is life your name is hope inside me hope inside me your name is love a love that always finds me always finds me Isn't that just like the Lord? <laughs> you know, God's an evangelist at heart, isn't he? <laughs> he wants to save and heal, deliver, and then he says, and by the way, there's so many other people around us that need this. Mm, there's so many people that need this. Mm, thank you, Lord. Let that go deep in us, Lord. Let that go deep in us, Lord. Just feeling right now, I feel like the Lord wants to break off deadness because there's only life in Him. Everything else we try to get life of, out of is deadness. Everything is dead. Is dead. So right now, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Jesus, that deadness, the deadness in our souls, the deadness that we have partaken of to try to get life out of it. Right now, I break the power of the deadness that comes out of the foulness of the demonic realm. If there's life only in Christ and there's only deadness in, in the satanic realm, in, the dead, in that dead realm. So right now, Lord, we break off our hearts and our mind deadness. Everything we've tried to get life out of. Everything, God. Whoa. Whoa. Yes. Yes. Just saw the Lord just uh, as we eat of that stuff, it's like we turn into skeletons. It looks like skeleton bones. There's only life in his name. So thank you, Lord. That's really tragic for all of us is because all of us will try to get life from something that can't give us life. There's not any, you know, people who are spiritually people, they will try to get life out of things that God does. 
when God has said, no, you get life from me. Uh, people who are not maybe, who maybe in the work profession will try to get life from their work or their, their spouse, wherever you're at in life, it's all the same. It's all the same with the Lord. Only the Lord himself can give us life. You can't get it from church. Church can't give you life. Ministry can't give you life. Worship can't give you life. Evangelism can't give you life. Christ gives us life. And when we allow Christ to be our life, when we allow that, then all those other things take their proper place in our life. They come in order. And He allows those things to be a blessing to us. You see, when we get shook in our life, we reach for things that make us feel stable and make us feel good about what we're doing, make us feel good about ourselves. And see, that those things we're reaching for is the wrong things. Those things are going to let us down. The Lord's going to make them let us down. He will force it to let us down. People will let you down. Your calling will let you down. The, the revival will let you down. The awakening will let you down. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will let All that is none of that. The Lord's saying you've got to grasp for Him. And when we keep Him as the center, when we keep going back to Him and finding our life in Christ and finding Him as our confidence, then things work. The anointing's beautiful. All those things begin to work the way they're meant to work. Lord, we ask you to do that for us. We're all guilty. We're all in the boat together, Lord. There's you and then there's the rest of us. We're all the same, Lord. None of us are any different. None of us are better. None of us do it better, Lord. We're all going to fail and fall short unless, unless we have your life flowing in us, unless you're the center, Lord. Lord, we ask you to help us do that. And I pray that over every person in this room. I pray you'd release that. I really want to pray one more time. I know I've prayed about this before. If you can stand a minute. Is a lack of, of sh- people who lose confidence. You know, that's a, that's a devastating thing. The Bible says don't throw away your confidence because it can reward you. I think I read that actually. But the reason it means so much to me is my confidence got really shook. Okay, and what I unknowingly did is I began to reach for things that I thought would prop me up. And in the end, those things I reached for, like re- grasping for air. They weren't there, and, and I, was, I just was hurt on the inside. I was hurting, and I couldn't figure out what it was, you know, until I realized that I was reaching for the wrong thing. I was trying to make these things comfort me and help me and, and, and make me feel good about myself, and they couldn't do it. In fact, they were wrecking me. They, would, they really were. And so I think when we go through times where things don't work in our life, your confidence gets... gets Get, the enemy goes after it. And that's why the Bible is real clear. Don't throw it away. Don't lose it. Because your, your confidence is what it actually says. It anchors you into the spirit realm. It hooks you in there. Holds you in there. And if you'll keep confidence in Christ. If you'll keep confidence in what he has said over your life. And who he has said you are. And keep rejecting all this other stuff that you try to add to it. Then you're going you're gonna to get through the moment. You're going to get restored. And that's what the Lord had to do for me. He had to restore me because I couldn't, I couldn't restore myself. And I'm pretty good at doing that, actually. I'm pretty good at uh, doing uh, self-sozo, you know, of counseling myself and getting delivered from it, demonic things that come on me. I can pretty much do all that to myself, but I couldn't get that when I couldn't figure out how to get there. It was like it was hidden from me. And But the Lord kept letting me get down, 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 and I just couldn't figure out why I was down because I'm not a down person. I don't get down much. Even when I'm down, I'm pretty happy. 
you know, a down day to me is sort of a, it's not a bad day, but I was really getting down. And, and then I just had this conversation with Becky and started talking to her. And you know what she told me? This is, I'm exposing myself, but it's worth it. She said, Byron, you know what you've done is you've put your hope, you feel like you couldn't be successful without a revival. That's what you felt. And, and, and that was the stinging truth. It made, it made me feel like a failure. And I got free. I got free. And my confidence began to flow in my heart again. You know, the Lord is just beyond. And I could have never figured that out on my own. I mean, it was, that's, that's the wisdom of heaven coming into my heart. So I, I just want to pray, Lord, just release confidence on people right now. Raise your hands to the Lord and let confidence of heaven come. Whatever has robbed you of confidence, those lies, it's all a big fat lie. It's all a lie from hell. God is saying you can be really, you can have it all in Christ. Everything. There's nothing. There's no limitations in Him. He's the wide open spaces of grace. He is the kingdom of heaven incarnate. He's the king. He, you can have it all in Him. All in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Now, now you know the terrible truth. One more terrible truth about me. One more. Woo, Lord, you're good. All righty. So, mm, are you okay? Go ahead right from the start. I'm not. So, you know, I've been talking about the kingdom of heaven some because that's the way all this works. It all works. And when we align ourselves with the kingdom of God, our lives will work out. And so that's why I believe the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7 is just like the vital revelation in the scripture work because it, it lays out the, thought, the thinking, the attitudes, and the things of how the kingdom works. In other words, it builds a, the, how the infrastructure of how the kingdom works. And it talks about a lot of things in there. Okay, shockingly, he addresses giving in there. You see, inside of you, there's a kingdom. And what the Lord wants to do is for that kingdom inside of you, that structure, that, that building that he has built inside of you called the kingdom, he wants it outside of you. He wants to be manifested in your outward life. A lot of people, what I see, I'm saying a lot of people, pretty much all of us, I'm one of them, is we, we get some revelation about something and we go try to make it happen in our life. And it's like we start trying to build walls and build a roof when the foundation has never been laid. You know what I'm saying? And then, then you start having failure because walls can't hold a roof that there's no real foundation in it. And so we don't really allow the structure of the kingdom to really be fully formed in our lives and whatever we feel like God's calling us to do, and we have this collapse. Things don't work. And it's because we've not allowed His kingdom to come, His will to be done in a more fully, full fashion in our lives. Does that make sense? And so what God wants to do is He wants to teach us how to take this... What the Sermon on the Mount is, is, is the structure. It's the infrastructure. And what he wants to do, and that infrastructure is in you, by the way. The Scripture says the Word of God is written on your heart and is put in your mind. And then it says it's written in your mind and put in your heart just to make sure it's covered on both places. It says that in Hebrews. So it's, it's in us, but the problem is we're having a hard time getting it out of us. People have a hard time, you know, just with this kingdom thing, in their family, with their, like, with their relationship with their wife. There's a way the kingdom of God 
works in a, in a home. There's a way the kingdom of God works in your business life. Okay? So we go about, we quote, like, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things to be added to you, but we don't really understand what that means lots of times. We don't really realize that the practical way of doing it is take everything in the Sermon on the Mount and allow it to be a reality in your life. And when it becomes, starts becoming more of a reality, that's the kingdom of God being first in your life. And then the things that we need, the practical, whatever those things are for, for any of us, they begin to, to come to you. They begin to be part of you. Does this make sense? So I just want to really encourage you, you know, because we want to, we're, we're claiming we're seeking the kingdom. We're claiming the, king, the kingdom of heaven coming. That's what we're saying. We're believing that. But we're struggling with it. Okay? And we're seeing it's hit and miss lots of times. I think it's hit and miss pretty much everywhere you go. Some people may be hitting a little bit more than others. But everybody's hitting and missing. And so what God wants to do is more fully form the kingdom in our lives. Amen? And I believe, this is just what I mean, I'm a pretty simple guy. I believe the Sermon on the Mount is the structure that holds, that makes the kingdom work in a person's life. So I believe if we're ignoring things in the Sermon on the Mount, we're ignoring those things to our hurt. In other words, if we're ignoring fasting, I hate to say that, I'm picking the worst one in all of it. I found the worst one in there for me personally is fasting. But I believe if we ignore fasting, now you can make any of this legalistic. Okay, I'm going to tell you that right now because that does not disqualify this from being the truth, though. Just because some dodo, me, you, the rest of the dodos on this earth, made fasting legalistic does not make fasting something bad. It just makes our thoughts about it bad. Giving. You know, that's, see, that's why the Lord addressed that in there because God says in the kingdom, giving is a big deal to God. And Jesus wanted us to know all this right up front. Right up front, I'm going to tell you stuff about the kingdom that I believe that he was saying, this is important. You need to know this. I'm the king. This is the way my kingdom works. If you'll begin to allow that to work in you and eventually work through you, then your life will work. All these things will begin to work in your life. I believe that with all my heart. I totally believe that. Well, one of the things in there that he talks about is prayer. Okay? Majorly. I, I'm a statistics guy, by the way. Not with, you know, other, but biblical statistics were fascinating to me. There's 111 verses in the Sermon on the Mount. 18 of those verses are directly, directly addressed prayer. Directly. And there's one called fasting, which most of the time fasting and prayer are associated. There's indirect. So, so, I mean, just from a statistical perspective, and I know you can't take this to a logical conclusion, so don't try, because it only says born again a couple times in the Bible, and that's a pretty major thought, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But some things that the Lord does repeat over and over are, are kind of important. So that's about 20% of the message was about prayer. That's kind of kind of speaks to my heart. Like Jesus was saying, listen, this is important. Prayer really is important. Now, this is why prayer is important. Prayer, I think prayer and worship together are the primary ways we manifest the kingdom here. We bring the kingdom of heaven, you know, we bring the kingdom that's in heaven, we bring the kingdom that's in us and release it out here. Those are the two primary ways 
that that kingdom is released. That's why Jesus said this is really important. The prayer thing is so vital uh, for, for you seeing the kingdom manifested. There's more people in church this morning than I thought they would be. <laughs> you know, I thought, man, you know, I might not even go to church today if I, if I didn't have to, but not, not really. I would have come to church today. I really would have. One thing you always had to ask pastors, this is how you know about a pastor, okay? Would you come to this church if you were not the pastor of it? Okay, and the day the pastor says no, then you're out, son. Because you can't have a church that you wouldn't come to that you're trying to leave. I mean, there might be days you might want to come here, but anyways, let me read this. Uh, this is all pretty obvious, okay? But this is obviously everything. Because I want to see the kingdom come, and I see God saying, you want to see the kingdom come? Then release the kingdom through your words, through your prayers. That's how you, you bring it. That's why worship's so important. That's why it's important to get up and open your mouth and say something. Because in heaven, words mean something. In heaven, words are doing something. God created the earth with a word. Okay, that's a prayer for us. Prayers are not just asking. I'll show you that in a second. Well, maybe not. Prayers are also decreeing and declaring. And when we say, Lord, you're hope inside of me, something gets stirred up in there. And so I love that worship thing because it gives me ways of saying words that I couldn't say alone. Listen, listen, I'm going to be really honest to you about my prayer life, okay? I'm not some guy who sits around, you know, when people say pray for me, I usually pray for them right that moment, maybe just in my mind because of this. I'm not spending hours on top of hours sitting around having this intercessory prayer thing. Some people have a grace for that, and thank God they do. But I do talk to the Lord all the time. It's just not like, normal kind of what you would call praying kind of thing. It's just communication. It's like, what in the world is that mean, Lord? And you know, that's a great way to talk to God. So I want to get the religion off of you today. When we talk about prayer, forget the religious part of it. And start thinking about is conversation with God that matters. You know, and however that works in your life. And it, but if you're an intercessor... A person who really knows how to pray, thank God for you. You know, I know when I get in trouble, there's certain people I'm calling, like, hey, you know, I'm kind of messed up. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling a little humiliated here, you know. And we have great intercessors in this church. They pray on Wednesday. I mean, if you want some prayers answered, talk to Sue Crowley. I'm telling you, they answer some prayers. God hears them. He likes them. He enjoys it when they come. He's got to. Because we have gotten some amazing prayers answered for them people. And so I appreciate that level of prayer. I'm just saying I'm not that lev level of a prayer. i tell you one thing I do. I, I pray in tongues a lot. And that's one of the reasons I do, because I'm just so dumb to pray otherwise. <laughs> and I like praying in tongues. I can get the praying in tongues where I don't even want to stop. You know, like, I don't even want to stop. I don't even want to have some, you know, prayer in English. You know, I just want to pray because there's this thing that starts happening in me. And there's been days where I can go all day and just be praying in tongues all day long. That doesn't mean every minute because obviously if somebody wants to have a conversation with you, you don't have to act like some idiot <laughs> and be sitting there praying in tongues when they're trying to talk to you. But I have found out this. You can pray in tongues sitting with people during conversation. You know, like I can remember one time I went on this mission trip and I was kind of desperate spiritually because I was feeling a little rough, okay? 
I wasn't feeling very good about going and doing ministry. I was just in a bad moment in my life. The moment was this. I really hadn't been really engaging the Lord a whole lot in my life, so I wasn't feeling good about going and ministering to people, just to be honest with you. There was no flow in my life. So you know what I did? I had conversations with people all through the airport, all through, but I was praying in tongues real quietly, lowly, where they couldn't hear me, and I was trying to keep my mouth from moving. You know, but my tongue was just going after it tooth and nail because I was kind of like concerned about what I was fixing to face. And I, lots of times I'll be driving down the road praying in tongues and I'll get to a stoplight like, oh, remember, to don't let your lips be moving because the person in the car might look at you and think, that man's a fool. You know, somebody have him arrested. <laughs> He's drunk over there talking to himself. You know, I mean, nowadays people have cell phones so they kind of get that, but I'm still kind of conscious of that. So... And when I cut my grass, I pray in tongues the whole time because I hate cutting grass. <laughs> so I got to do something to help me through that moment. And anyway, so I wanted to give you the most famous prayer of all prayers. Well, I got two of the most famous prayers of all prayers. One is the Lord's Prayer, and the other one is the simple prayer of help. Right? Are those two of the most famous? Help, Lord! I mean, sometimes that's your best shot. Help! <laughs> I've done that many times in church. You know, you're getting ready to preach and you're walking out here, help, please help. Anyways, it says, Our Father in heaven, this is Matthew 6, 9 and 10, hallowed be your name, which means worshipped, honored, lifted up, be your name. So that's why I'm saying this is conversation. This is, this is uh, you know, the beginning of prayer is worship. I mean, everything, you know, prayer by definition is thanksgiving and honoring and uh, request. That's that's what prayer means. So you could say I'm praying and really just be worshiping. And and from a biblical def- definition perspective, if you was like a theologian person, you would say, yeah, that's 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 totally acceptable. That's what the Bible teaches. There's another thing called just petitions. That's why Paul says pray with thanksgiving because he's saying make sure you when you're doing your peti- just your petitions to the Lord that you thank Him also. So your kingdom comes. So this is what Jesus was saying. I don't listen. He was saying this. This is the reason for prayer, right here. The kingdom coming. The kingdom coming into the earth. You already got the kingdom inside of you. He he wasn't talking about the kingdom coming inside of you. Jesus says the kingdom's in you. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the kingdom that's in you getting out. Your kingdom manifest in the earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's how that's what it is. And then the rest of the prayer, if you look at it, he talks about your physical life next. The next thing he talks about is your physical life. In other words, here's one of my prayers. Your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord, in my joints. If you're a person my age, your joints are kind of important to you because they don't feel good always. In my eyesight, Lord. You know, in my eyesight, Yeah. Kingdom, the finger of God touching her eyesight. You see, that's what that's what he, he was saying because we need it to manifest in our physical life. Hey, this is one I think praying about all the time. Let the kingdom manifest in my mortgage. Let the kingdom manifest in my bank account. You see, God wants to do that. That's all part of lift life on this earth. That's and we we got to get that God wants us to bring the kingdom into those places. You know, he doesn't want people going broke. He really doesn't. Because there's nothing broke in heaven. 
Now, this isn't necessarily you're going to get millions of dollars. I'm not saying that, but I want God to touch my finances. I want, the, I want heaven to touch my finances. You know, when you get my age, I mean, I'm not that old. There's a couple of people older, but you start thinking about what I'm going to be doing down the road. Because it, there's going to come a point in time when y'all are going to say, we don't really want you no more. You know, we, you're too old, you're too ratchety, you're too or, you know, ornery, you know, all the stuff that old people do. Your teeth are falling out, your hair's already falling out. You can barely get up and preach anymore. We need somebody young that's got some energy here. You know, we don't need great-grandpa up here trying to preach. So I know I can't do this forever. And I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do, Lord? I mean, how am I going to live? And that's, that's what we've got to learn. We've got to learn to live out of the kingdom. You know, and let the kingdom begin to work in that part of our life. And, and you should pray that over your children. You know, you should pray that over your grandchildren if you have them. You really should release the kingdom into their physical realm, their schooling, their teachers, all of that. If you've got a baby in your womb, that's a great prayer to pray over that baby. You know, the kingdom. If you've got children, your grandchildren, I'm real concerned about my grandchildren. Pray for them all the time. And more, the main prayer is, Lord, let your kingdom come in their lives. Just let it, just in their schooling. You know, your relationships. Then the next one he talks about is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That has to do with the realm of your soul. Okay, because everybody has issues in their soul. It's not just forgiveness issues, but it can be many issues. It can be resentment. It can be jealousy. It can be anger. All these things that attack the human soul. God is concerned about our souls. He wants our souls to be healthy. That's why he said forgiveness, because forgiveness is such a, a damning thing to, to us if we have unforgiveness. And that's why the forgiveness is such a, a grand uh, speech of God when he talks to people about himself and the kingdom. He's always talking about forgiving, forgive, forgive. You're forgiven. Live a forgiven, forgiven life. Give other people this forgiveness that you've been given. And if you're struggling with forgiveness this morning, which I guarantee there's people in this room that are, here's the secret. The secret is this. You've been forgiven, therefore you have forgiveness in you. You have the ability to forgive. Not of yourself, but because it was given to you as a gift. And so as we release the gift out of us, it changes people's lives. That's why Jesus said if you don't forgive from your heart. He wasn't talking about a mental thing. He was talking about something that's been put in you. And that's why it's so important, you know. So I often pray, Lord, uh, the, the things that are hidden in my heart, the bad things, the negative things, the resentment, the jealousies, the little negative things I'm doing, which I'm not even conscious of, you know, taking shots at people or whatever. Y'all do that, right? I know you do. You're, you do that. Every one of you do that. We all do that. It's mankind. But I'm saying, Lord, reveal that to me and reveal the root of that in me and so that can be removed from my heart. I want my soul to be cleansed. I want my soul to be whole. And so that's what the kingdom does. And, of course, the last thing in that prayer is about the devil. It's because although the devil's defeated, he has not been removed from the spiritual world. He's still active. He's still going about like a roaring lion, lying and trying to cheat you. And rob you of your inheritance. And if you listen to him, you get you empower him. When you believe the lies, you fall into fear. You empower the devil. That's where he gets power from. See, when he, when Christ defeated devil at the devil at the cross, it says he stripped him. 
stripped him. He lost all authority and all power. So what does he do? Why does he still have power and authority? Where does he get it? He gets it from the believers. He lies to them. They believe it. You empower it. The lie empowers them. That's where he gets authority. There's nowhere else for him to get it. He gets it from the same place he got it at the garden, from Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, that's where he's getting it from. That's where, you know, and so that's why we have to, to not give in to that. That's why Jesus said, you know, deliver us from evil. Isn't that awesome that Jesus said all that? So I wanted to read a couple more verses here on, on prayer just to, to, to bless you. Uh, one of them is in Psalm 2, 7 through 8. It says, I will declare the decree. Now, there you go. There is a decree. There's a prayer. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. This is Christ. The Father has spoken to Christ something. What is Christ doing? I'm saying what He said. This is what He said about me. This is what I'm saying. See, that's what real decreeing is all about. And see, we don't really, we've got to get that decreeing thing. We've got to get where we're saying the same thing as. The two-edged sword in Ephesians, where Paul said the two-edged, the sword of the Spirit is two-edged. It's what God has said, and it's us saying the same thing God's saying. That's the weapon that we can go after the enemy with. That, it actually means that. It means, it means a two-worded, two-worded. That's what it actually means, a two-worded. God's Word, your Word. And see, we've got to begin to be people. That's why James talks about getting your tongue bridled. Bridle your tongue, get your tongue fixed, let God have control of your tongue so God can start using your tongue to say things because that's how things work in the spiritual world. That's how it works in the kingdom. Your words have the power to tear down or build up. Every husband knows that. Right, husbands? I guarantee there's not a husband here that said stu- that's not said stuff in a moment of anger that he really didn't mean, but he was mad, and so he t- would try to take a good hard shot at his wife because he knew that would hurt her feelings. Right, husbands? I'm sure y'all don't do that. <laughs> you know, you do that. Men are worse than women about it, but women can be bad too. Anyways, Lord bless y'all. So, God, God, I really want to talk to you sometimes about this decree and thing because God is, that's what He's interested in. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the, that's, a, that's Psalm 107. There comes a time. But you see, we can't just start saying a bunch of junk. We can't just say stuff randomly. We've got to hear, the Lord has said to me. And then we begin to declare it. That's when there's power on it. It ain't that you come up with some Bible verse that you think you're going to, you know, make work. I'll tell you this, you know, the last time I talked to Bob Jones was two weeks before he died, and I knew, I walked out of that room thinking, I don't know if Bob's going to live or not because this is what he said to me. He said, all this is in the Lord's hands now, talking about himself. And that's the first time I ever heard him say that. Most time he was saying, this is what's happening with me. He was creating his life with his words, but at that point he began like, mm, maybe the Lord ain't saying that to me now. Maybe, maybe my time is coming. And I talked to Bonnie. She said, oh, I knew something's weird then. And Becky and I walked out of that hospital. I'm thinking, I may never see Bob Jones again. Just on that one thing he said, because I knew how that man thought. So I think God wants to give us a revelation on decree. And let the Lord, I will declare the decree. 
the other one is number eight, which I wanted to talk about that for the rest of the time because I'm going to come back and talk about decreeing on another time. Ask of me. Isn't that a beautiful? Ask of me. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. So that's the really one of the great thoughts about prayers is God is wanting us to come and ask him things, to ask of me. And he was saying, if you'll ask me, I will do it. And that's so vital for us to get that, that we have to ask God for things. We have to ask him, Lord, I'm asking you to, for a healing anointing. That's a good thing to ask. Here, let me give you a couple examples. I'm going to do these out of the Message Bible because they say it really cool. This is James 1, 5 through 8. If you don't know what you're doing, anybody join? <laughs> Raise your hand if you don't know what you're doing sometimes. Like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. He really does. That's the thing I found out about God. God is saying, I sent the what? Helper. I called him a helper over for a reason because I love to help people. I love, we think he don't. We think, no, God doesn't really want to help me. Oh, he loves to help people. See, that thought is what's keeping. That's the thought from the devil. That thought is keeping God from helping you. Because you're thinking, God don't want to help me. You're saying, God don't want to help me. You're acting like God don't want to help me. You do all this stuff to help yourself. And you need God to help you. So you ask the Lord, Lord, help me. You'll get his help. It won't be condescended to when you ask for it. In other words, God doesn't say, duh, I don't have time to help you fix that lawnmower. You know, because I've been praying sometimes, working on my lawnmower that's held together with wire. Like, please let it make one more year, Lord, because I've got so much money in this lawnmower. Please, I pray for my lawnmower. Like, please let it crank this time. Because the grass is past due to be cut. I've got to get this grass cut. And if this lawnmower don't crank, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, because I can't push this. I don't even have a push mower. And it's too big. So I'm asking the Lord constantly about this stupid lawnmower. And I don't feel like God... Well, I pray for it. I, think, I don't think God has an issue with me asking him about that. I think he wants me to. Ask boldly, believing without a second thought. That's talking about being double-minded. Like, oh, should I ask you? You know, don't be, you know, that's living in a duplex. A double-minded man's living, in, you're living in, trying to live in two places at once. You're not going to get anything. The Bible's clear. This is, this people who worry their prayers, worry their prayers. You got that? How many people worry their prayers? Oh, God. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Just wish something, Lord. You know, just worrying and... <laughs> They are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're, getting, you're going to get anything from, from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. Isn't that a great way it says that? You know, just you got, your option is God. You know, and it's not that God doesn't show you practical things to do. Obviously, He does. It's not like we're just going to pray and sit around and, you know, the sky's going to open and money's going to fall out. Not likely. I mean, it could happen. But more than likely, he's going to say, here's how you can make some money. Go do this. And you respond to it, and God makes a way for you. He answers your prayer. All right, number James five thirteen through 18. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the Master. That's why we have a ministry team. It's when they pray. It's, we, we provide that. If you're sick, Come up here. If you're needing some help, 
Believe in prayer will heal you. That's what it says. It does. Prayer heals people. Lots of times we think if you don't see the healing instantly, you're not healed. But in the Bible, there's two kinds of healings, at least. There is what they call therapy. It's the Greek word. We get the word therapy. It says the Lord healed them. And lots of times, it's he therapied them. They began their healing, and they were healed over a period of time. Another time is they're instantly healed. That's a miracle. And so we need to quit looking at the hour and start believing what it says here. Believing prayer will heal you. And Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Isn't that beautiful? Make, your, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. That's about as good as it gets, right? You know, that's, you can see that in the home just so beautifully. And definitely if you hang around the church long, you see the need for this. The, the prayer of a, a person living right with God, that's a righteous person, a person who is walking in the righteousness of Christ, not their own righteousness, but His righteousness, that makes us right with God, is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard and it wouldn't rain, and it didn't, not a drop, for three and a half years. That's a pretty big prayer. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came and everything started growing again. That's powerful, isn't it? Kenneth uh, Hagin Sr., you know, when he was a little boy, was, was dying. And he heard about Elijah's prayer. And he thought, well, I'm not a righteous person. That's what Kenneth thought about himself. I, I, God will never heal me. And he began to study Elijah and saw all the messed up stuff Elijah did in his life. Because he did do some dumb things. You know, and he realized, well, good Lord, this guy don't seem righteous to me. And then he realized the righteousness is not us, it's God. It's his righteousness. And when he began to see that, Hey, I'm just as righteous. Lord, heal me. I'm righteous. I'm in right standing with you, Lord. You're doing it on the basis of the cross. God operates. God begins to move. Isn't that beautiful? Are y'all good? All righty. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worry and pray, let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayer. So whatever worries you have today, that's petitions and praise. Okay, begin to shape them in the prayer. I'm telling you this. We don't really want a bunch of negative, like, oh, woe is us stuff. That's not going to help nobody. Don't be saying that stuff. It's just not helping anybody. Let's reshape that into prayer. Like, you know, those people are going through a hard time. That's an opportunity for the Lord. Let's really pray for them. Let's see God do, move in their life. Um. Shape your worries in prayer, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. And I guarantee you probably all of you could raise your hand and say, I've, I've experienced that. I've experienced that. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's wonderful. And that's really where he wants to be at the center. And, and if he's at the center, worry can't be there. Um. I wanted to do this one more, and then I'll stop. And, and the reason I wanted to do this is it's called praying in the name of Jesus, okay? And I really wanted to say something about praying in the name of Jesus because that, for a long time in my Christian life, that was a confusion to me because I did it and nothing happened. And that was a bothersome to me. Like, why in the heck is this not working, Lord? This praying in the name of Jesus stuff. You know? Has anybody ever had that thought? Yeah. Come on, Will. Well, let me read in the New King James uh, first because uh, it says it real clear. Whatever you ask in my name, whatever. Now, that is in the Bible. That's not an addition. That's 
a Greek word, Jesus said that word. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's cool. Okay? If you ask, then he puts this thing on it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that's what he says. Okay? So, we pray these prayers. Lord, heal Matthew in the name of Jesus. And Matthew's just as sick as a dog. Goes home worse. Can't work the next week. Like, what the heck? I thought you said if I ask anything in your name, you'll do it. And so we have made that in some kind of formula. That's what the Lord started telling me. Well, I'm not a formula. My name is not a formula. That's what he said. Sorry, you can't just use that name like it's some kind of formula. You, try to, you think that's going to magically make your prayers be answered by saying in the name of Jesus? That is not going to work. That is not what Jesus was saying. And this is, I want to read the message Bible because he grabs this truth here. He grabs it, what it really means. And I'm including verse 12 in it but just because I like verse 12 and I forgot to do it with the King James. The, this is the person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing but even greater things because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. Now, I believe that's the truth that God has given us the same work. The only thing He's not asked us to do is go die for the sins of the world. He's done that. Like He said, that's finished. But that's the only thing He said was finished. He didn't say salvation for the world, healing for the world, revelation for the world, bringing the kingdom in the people's life is finished. He did not say that. He's saying, you've got to finish it. It says in Acts 1, all that Jesus began to do. Like, I began it, now y'all take over. We're it. We're it. We've got to get that. Every one of you in here, you're it. God has handed you the, you know, like tag. I've tagged you. You're it. I'm done. I'm moving on. So, I thought, don't, isn't that wonderful though? That's a, it's exciting. We're not here just to occupy space and go to work tomorrow and make money, which is a nice thing to do. But we're here to do what he was doing, to bring it wherever we're bringing it. He said this. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request, listen to this, along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'll do it. Do you see that? It's not just throwing some magical formula on your prayer. It says it has to be along the lines of who I am. I'm a healer! <laughs> Come on, there you go. He wanted me to preach loud because of the sleepy nature of this morning. <laughs> so I'm blaming it on him. Did y'all catch that? I, it's, it's Mark's fault. If you're mad at me about yelling, go talk to Mark. <laughs> he wanted me to do this. No, it's really true. We just need to know who he is. That's a relationship along the lines of who I am. Get to know who I am. If you'll know who I am, you can start praying along those lines. And something's going to really start happening because it's not coming from who Sarah Bolger says I am. It's who God has revealed himself to me in this way. And I can do this because I have walked this with God. He's talked to me about this. He's put this in my heart. That's why some people can really have an anointing for certain things. It's because they've walked it out with God. It's not just the anointing. It is the anointing, but it's not just the anointing. 
it's because along the lines of who he is. They've, he, the Father has revealed himself to people. That's why this copycat stuff doesn't work. You can go and follow the greatest preacher on earth, the greatest church on earth, try to do everything like them, sing like them, preach like them, talk like them, preach their messages, and it will not work. And you will wonder why. It's because it ain't along the lines of who he is, who he's revealed himself to you to be. We've got to know the Lord like that. And, and what I'm doing. What I'm doing. And God is doing this. God wants his kingdom to come into people's life. God does not like what the devil's doing to people. God wants people healed. He wants them delivered. He wants them saved. He wants them following him. And so I think we can always go after that. Because we're our, most of you have really experienced all that in your life. You've been healed. You've been saved. You've been delivered. You've been slammed. You've been touched. You've wept. You've laughed. You've been drugged through bad stuff and got up and looked at the devil and laughed at him like, this is all you can do. This is what I'm going to do to you. <laughs> right? I'm telling you. There's people in this room that the devil literally tried to kill you. He was waiting on you to kill you. But he didn't. And you could put your finger in his face and said, you didn't kill me and you're not going to because of the Lord. And so I got something to do here. I mean, you got to start believing the stuff God's done in your life. Well, all right. Are y'all good? I'm, I think I'm going to stop. I got some more to say, but Becky's telling me to stop. She's going to stop, 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 stop. Please stop, please. I'm sure I'm hearing this prayer. Please make him stop, Lord. I'll be honest with you. I pray that sometimes. Listen to preachers. Please make him stop, Lord. Please, I tell you, Lord, he's, 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 he's knocked it out of the park, but he's fixing to drag it back in here if he don't stop. I don't want it back in here. I want it out of the park. <laughs> There's going to come a day in your life. This is what's going to happen to you. This is what happened to Moses one day. There's going to come a day in your life. God is going to say, well, here's what Moses said. He told the children of Israel, just be still. This is when Pharaoh was coming out. Just be still and watch God do something. And he turned around. This is what it said. The Lord said, why are you crying out to me? That's what the Lord said to him. Well, I imagine this is what happened. He told them all that, and then turn around, Lord, you've got to do something real fast now. Them guys are coming. It didn't record that, but it was an odd conversation because he didn't say nothing. He just told them to be still and see the salvation of God, and then he turns around, please, Lord, you've got to do something. I told them to be still, and there ain't nothing happening, and these people are going to kill us. And then the Lord said this, tell them to move. See, did you get that? Be still and watch the Lord. Why are you crying out to me? Get with it. There comes a day in our prayers, this is the point I'm trying to make, that God's going to say, why are you praying about that still? What, what the heck? I mean, I'm done. Get with it. I mean, honestly, we went to Africa one time. Okay, this is what happened. This was hilarious. I didn't think it was hilarious. Now I'm thinking, I'm glad I don't live over here. Some guy came up for prayer, and the leaders jumped him right there in front of everybody. We've already told you what you're supposed to be doing. Why are you coming back up here for prayer? Get out there and do it. Remember that? It was a laugh. I thought, oh, God. 
these people are serious here, man. When they when they conclude something, it's concluded. They don't want to pray for you anymore about it. Get with it. I mean, that's what. And these were the big guys saying this to this poor guy, and it was a big deal. And I think that's the way it was with the Lord that day with Moses. See, he wants us to pray, but see, Moses was half right on that. Is what I'm trying to say. He wasn't fully right on that deal. He said, "Stand still." And he turned around, and the Lord said, "Stop praying and get moving." It won't no stand still. It was mo- it's time to do something. So I believe the praying is, is right, but there's going to come a time in our praying it's going to lead to some action. And I want to end on that because I don't want to just think we're just going to sit around here and pray and never do anything with our lives. It's just like this man who, by the way, I love your accent. I don't know where you're from, but where are you from? Arizona, nice accent. I love the way he... I like to listen to how people say words because I have a bad accent. People tell me, you know, all the time. Like you slur your words. I mean, the Forsyths, they came to the church here. Y'all know Melissa and Scott. They're great people. I don't think they're here. No, there's left. And they were saying, well, we like the worship in the church, but we couldn't understand anything the preacher was saying. Not one word. I mean, he's like talking another language. And so they had to really feel like God wanted them here to go to church for a long time and never understand anything that was being said. So I, I'm kind of interested in when I hear people speak, to hear their accents and the way they say words. It's fascinating to me because evidently mine's not that great. <laughs> so it's nice to hear great ones. But God wants to do, I think some of you, some of us are sort of like Moses. We're telling, we're telling people, oh, you need to be still and wait. And the Lord ain't saying, Mm-mm, I'm not telling them to be still and wait. I'm telling them, get this time. I'm saying there's a time to be still and wait. Obviously, that's biblical. But there's also a time when God says, you've prayed, I've heard it, now get with it. And if you'll get with it, your prayers will be answered. And I just want to leave that with you. Who's in Marlin? Yeah. I'm trying to stick with the program. You're, we're going to let... The worship team can come back up if they want to, or will, whatever y'all going to do. Amen. That was a shikabumba kind of message. Thank you, Lord. So if we can can have the uh, ministry team come up here so that uh, everybody can see you and know where they need to come. So let's have the ministry team come up here. Hey, you taking my stand away? Wait. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, so I'm just going to finish ironically with prayer. How about that? So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for Byron, Father. We just extend our hands over to him and we bless him, Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, renew him in his heart. Renew him in his spirit, Lord God. Keep on pouring more revelation upon revelation upon revelation, Father. Wisdom from heaven, Lord God. And Father, just pray anoint his words that they will carry a weightiness of your glory, Father. That as he speaks, it will absolutely part the ways, Father. And bring differences in our lives. Thank you for the frequency that he's releasing. And I thank you, Father, for the gift that he is, Father. That we can sit and bask in the gift of Byron himself. So we bless him, Father, and we bless Becky also. That she's always bringing some crazy worship up in here. So, and we're all saying, Amen. Amen. So you can, you're welcome to go ahead and if you need prayer, any sickness in your body, uh, relational stuff, whatever the situation is, come up and let people lay hands on you so you can get some sozo. Amen. Amen. 
Lord bless you all.